if I need prayer, the first place I'm going to go is to the church. I talked about last week how the place I go to find encouragement is at our church. The place I find prayer is at our church. Now let me give one real quick explanation. There are strong instructions in Scripture for two types of venues of prayer. And we're only going to look at one, so as you listen to what I say this morning, don't think, oh, but Jesus said this. Because there's two venues that operate in juxtaposition with one another when it comes to prayer. Yes, Jesus gave very specific instructions about not being egotistical, not showboating, not demonstrating to everybody, oh, I'm a prayer warrior. I'm a, I'm a person of prayer. He says, you need to be humbly in your closet where no one else can see you when you're doing deep and hard intercession because it's nobody else's business. When you're having that one-on-one time with God and you're having those moments when you're just talking to him as that deep friend that he is, as that loving father that he is, and you're in those moments, you need to be alone, you need to be private, and you need above all other things not to be boasting about it. But the other venue is the church. And it gets confusing sometimes when we're praying because it's the exact opposite. It is the synergy, it is the activity, it is the excitement, it is the effectiveness of being together with people that pray with you, pray for you, and allow you together in groups to pray for other people and to pray. And it's in these venues where we often pray for our world and pray for changes and pray for comfort and pray for help. And God moves in a mighty and dynamic way. Both venues are accurate and both venues are important and a significant part of a Christian's life as they develop their prayer, as they develop that conversation with God. And it is a development process. It is the opportunity to grow and to mature and to understand how to have that conversation. Most of us have had that. You meet a new boss or you meet a new colleague. It takes time to talk to them and understand and be close to them. If you're dating, it takes time to develop that conversation into a meaningful conversation that allows you to understand the person in a deeper way and understand yourself in a deeper way. It's a part of growing in prayer. Paul also felt strongly in the book of Thessalonians as he wrote that letter to the church in Thessalonica that it was important that he pray for them and that they pray for him and that that prayer is experienced in a gathered setting. In 1 Thessalonians, it's in our New Testament, in chapter 3, Paul is talking about this growing relationship, the encouragement he gets from them, the strength he gets from them, and how he prays. And he makes this statement about church prayer. How can we thank God? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9, if you're looking with me. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? As we pray very earnestly night and day back into the private venue, also probably in a corporate venue as well, as he's with other disciples. As we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. This statement is huge as Paul understands the nature of a true church that truly embraces prayer and experiences those moments together. 
And he starts, as Paul often does, and as most of us do, with a grateful perspective. In the first part of verse 9, he says his grateful prayer is simply, how can we thank God for you? A deep and significant part of prayer is the gratitude that we express. How can we thank God for you? How can we thank God for our church? How can we pray together today, thanking God that we're a part of our church? Thanking God that we have a place to worship. Thanking God that we have the opportunity to worship and to study and to learn together and have these experiences together. Thanking God for the tenure of the church. Over a century, our congregation has been touching the northwest region of Harris County and the southwest regions of of Montgomery County, reaching this region. How can we thank God for over a hundred years of ministry and lives being touched that we now carry the burden for that? We now carry that into the next generation. How can we thank God for how this church has fulfilled the obligation of Scripture? The command of scripture to make sure every generation has the opportunity to hear the love of God, make that life-changing decision to trust in Jesus, and then grow in the process after making that decision to trust in Christ, to grow in our faith and to experience our faith in an environment that we appreciate. How can we thank God? It is grateful prayer. When I need prayer and I want to be in a place of prayer, I come to our church, I go to our people, and I know that I'm grateful for that. And I know that in that develops gratitude. He says it's a joyful prayer. How can we thank God for you? All the joy, the experiences he's had, all the joy we experience before our God because of you. It's not only joyful, but I mean, it's not only grateful, but it's joyful. It just makes us happy. It sounds funny, the earlier draft when we were looking at notes as a team, we, I, we actually talked about happy prayer. But happy prayer sounds a little cheesy. It sounds, a little, sounds just a little off. So we switched to a, a more acceptable terminology of joyful. But the reality is it is happy prayer. When I pray for our church, when I pray for the request, even, even the serious prayers, and we, we get those requests every day people call into our church. Every day people send emails into our church. Every day people will call me personally or they'll stop me when they see me here at church or out, in, out somewhere in the community and say, hey, I need you to pray for this. And some of those are very, very serious prayers. But I, I'm happy. It makes me happy. I'm happy when I think about what God's doing. I'm I'm happy to know that as those lists go out every night, that there are people all over the region, some not even in our immediate geographic location, that are praying and will pray, and that God's going to move. God doesn't refuse our prayers. He may change and not answer exactly the way I want him to answer sometimes, but he always hears. And again, Scripture teaches that over and over again. He hears us. And if he hears us, the Apostle John says it is a safe assumption, it is a safe conclusion, it is simply logic that if God hears us, he answers us. That's why Jesus told us to never stop, just keep asking, keep seeking, knowing that when we ask and when we knock on the door and when we we seek, he's going to respond to that. There's a peace that comes and there's a joy that comes. 
I pray for as I, as I have this week. We have families that are having children and, and new children come in. Got to see one of them this morning out in the lobby. Um, the dad is questionable in his DNA. Um, he may be the closest thing we would ever any even slightly nod ahead to evolution. He's just, the dad's just not all there. He's just kind of messed up. Um, somewhere between Neanderthal. Um, you know, but mom's really great. Mom's really sweet. But I saw the baby. And I thank God with grateful and joyful prayer, it looks like mom. Not like dad. I'm just so, 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 so thankful for that. But it's fun. Got an email late Thursday night from another one of our young families. Twins. Easton and Elena came into our life late Thursday night, early Friday morning. I'm thankful, and I'm happy, and I'm looking forward. We've got to wait a few weeks before we get to see the baby. The dad's not as questionable in this case, so either way, it's going to be a winner. So we're really safe with this one. I mean, it's, it's just fun. And when God answers the prayer... It's happy. And we see that all the time. Yes, we've got the constant flow of requests. But what about when God answers? What about when God hears our prayer and answers that prayer? Not only are we grateful, but we're joyful. We're thankful. We see miracles every day. We've sung songs that made multiple church references to biblical moments. Historic miracles. Where God opened the ocean, where God separated the waters and made walls so the people could walk through and escape the terror of their invading and their conquering um, dictatorships. We've seen God do that in Scripture. We've seen Jesus walk up to where a lady's lost her son and heal him, literally bring him back to life. And one of those songs referenced that. God is the person who can and does turn our mourning and our sorrow and our grief into dancing. Graves don't mean the same to us as they do to other people because those graves are simply a symbol of a life lived here in this messed up world. But we walk away from those graves every single time reminding ourselves, he is not here. He is alive. And the fact that Jesus is not here and Jesus is alive means when I walk away from one of my brothers, one of my sisters, one of my church family members' grave, they're not there. They're alive. And they're enjoying heaven. And I don't know of anything that can make us more happy than stopping and pausing and realizing God has a beautiful, unimaginable destiny in store for us. Jesus' death gives us resurrection and Jesus' resurrected life gives us power to live here and gives us the hope to live there with him in that place where there are no tears, where there is no crying, where there is no sorrow, there is no mourning. All of that stuff is gone and the new day of enjoying God's presence is available to us. Even in the most difficult moment, We are a people of joy because we know where we're headed. Our citizenship is not of earth, as the Apostle Paul told the church in Philippi. Our citizenship is of heaven. And every day, just like Paul said, we are waiting, anticipating our Savior from there. He's coming back, and he's taking us with him. And his church is a happy church. 
Then there's reliable prayer. And look at verse 10 where it transitions from verse 9 to verse 10. As we pray very earnestly night and day to simply reliable prayer. I see this so much as a pastor. I know when you turn in a prayer request, you pick up one of those cards and turn in a prayer request. You go online and send a prayer request. You subscribe to the prayer letter that comes out every night and get updates so you can be praying. I know your prayer, your, your request, your greatest need is being constantly brought before the God of heaven on your behalf. You can trust our church to pray. We have prayer groups that meet spontaneously. We have prayer groups that are scheduled. We have, we have groups that gather, and they come together to, to, to do sewing and, and, and knitting. We have this group called Pins and Needles. It was a women's group. I just thought the name was appropriate, um, so I stayed away because they, they make me nervous. Um, but then I found out that, that it's, it's not the fear of women in the church. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the groups actually sewing. I mean, they're like literally sewing. I didn't know anybody did that anymore. Um, they're like putting stuff together, quilts and dresses. And um, they sent a whole bunch of, um, what do you call those things? I, it's, my wife's always telling me I need to wear one when we go out to eat. Bib, yes, thank you. Yeah, they, they sent a whole bunch of bibs over to Tomball Pregnancy. I don't, I don't know, maybe the workers over there are having troubles when they go out to eat as well. I think it's for the babies. I heard, did hear of a really cool bib. I don't know if our ladies made any of them. I heard of a really cool bib that sort of has a shelf. And so as you eat, it collects on the shelf, and then you can just get seconds. I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, it sounded kind of good to me. Every group I know, I don't know of any group in our church that doesn't pray. And so you can trust the church to be praying. We were up here yesterday. We were repainting some of the offices, and we were up here painting a couple of the guys, and, and uh, we're, we're doing that. And in the middle of that, I get a phone call from one of our members who's also a friend, and, and um, I'm kind of excited. I see the caller ID, and I say, hey, I know this guy. I want to talk to him. Uh, I pick up the phone, and the first thing he says to me, and this is going to be a little tough. The first thing he says to me is his wife's passed away. And I'm just shocked. We've been praying for her. We've been praying for her to be healed. We prayed him through cancer. I really believe we were praying her through cancer. Um, and so I'm just totally shocked. And he tells me, I'm, you know, just like 10 minutes ago, James, 10, 10 minutes ago she passed away. I called my son and I called you. And then he told me, he said, will you call my church friends? Will you call my Bible study? I need them praying for me. In the most difficult moment, in a, in a time of complete shock, his first instinctive reaction is to call his church and to get them praying. And just in case you're not a believer, I just want to say one thing about this particular case because I know it very well and I've been very involved in it. It may seem like because she died yesterday that God didn't answer our prayer. I believe with all my heart, and I believe Scripture teaches this and can verify it, that God did answer my prayer. This is one of those times he didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted it prayed. I, I wanted them back. I wanted them back in church. I wanted them sitting in their same seat where I see them Sunday after Sunday. I wanted them back. I wanted us talking about the things that we love and the things that we enjoy in life. That's what I prayed, and that's what I expected, and that's what I wanted when I asked God just to heal, when I asked God to remove the cancer. That's what I wanted. 
And initially, in the very first moments of that information, there is a tendency, all of us have it, to think, why didn't God answer? Why, why, didn't, why didn't God? And the truth is, what I'm doubting is why I didn't get what I wanted. Because the truth is, and I know her very well, I know her background, I know her faith, I know her life, I know the way she's lived, I know the way her faith has worked. God did answer my prayer. She fell asleep after a tough chemo treatment and didn't wake up here. But she woke up there. She woke up to a worship service that far transcends anything we could ever produce. She woke up to the intimacy of a heavenly father that cares about her more than any one of us could ever care for her. She woke up without any physical sensation of illness or the incapacity, the, the, the difficulty of the body working and functioning as it was intended to. I don't, I don't know, I could go on speculating. I believe she woke up with no recollection of cancer or chemo treatments or, or numerous doctor's appointments. God did heal her. Resurrection is the ultimate and the best healing. It always feels hard for us. Every time we gather for a memorial service to say goodbye to somebody, it feels hard to us because we're still here. But it doesn't mean God didn't answer our prayers. He did. In some form, out of his love, out of his grace, out of his mercy, he said, you know, let me just bring her home. Let me just relieve that pain. Let me just let her be with me. And the passing of time now is difficult for us because we're still here. But she experiences no time now in heaven. There is no sense of time. There's no sense of deadlines. There's no sense of, of responsibility in that way. We just worship and we just serve and, and, we, and the labor in heaven is to bring God even greater honor. We visit and we see people we know, we interact with them, and it's instantaneous. Absent from this world is present with God in heaven. God healed. So the celebration's a little different, but she'll never know. One day her husband, one day I, her pastor, I'll cross that same threshold. And I'll look at her and she'll turn to me and she'll say, oh, I didn't realize you were here because she didn't sense or know any sense of time or missing or separation. That's not an equation on her part of life. It's what we still experience here in this moment. Absent from this body, scripture says, is present with the Lord. So no wonder no wonder 10 minutes after she breathed that last breath of air and stepped into heaven, her husband called her as church and her church and said, get my people praying. And this is where I'm most proud and this is where I'm going to cry. Within 30 minutes, her Bible I had called her Bible study teacher. Her Bible study teacher had texted her husband and 
her, within 45 minutes, her class has sent out an email blast to everybody in the class saying what had happened. Within less than an hour, hundreds of people were praying for him, for her family. If you want real prayer, and if you want to know you're being prayed for, you need to call the church. And you don't have to pay by the minute. By the, however that stuff works in late night TV. You want, you want to be prayed for? This is the place where that happens. It's relational prayer. Again, in verse 10, part of the reason he's praying so earnestly and so reliably is he wants to see them. I want to see you, and our prayer is to see you face to face. It's relational prayer. In this venue of corporate prayer, it's all about people. It's all about our relationships. It's all about our community. It's all about the people around us and the people we interact with. God designed us this way. We talked about that last week with encouragement. So if you weren't able to be here, you can find it on live stream on both YouTube and on our website. We talked about that, how we weren't created to be alone. God wants us. Even the very shyest and and most introverted of us, God created you exactly that way, but he still designed you to have social connection. It's a relational prayer. Corporate prayer is a combination of being in the atmosphere, being in the environment, being with other people who are praying with you. Whether you pray out loud or not, I hope in all of our Bible study classes, nobody ever puts pressure on somebody who's quiet or maybe a little more recluse, a little more careful about what they say, to pray publicly. Not everybody can and not everybody should pray publicly. But praying together isn't a matter of speaking, it is a matter of heart. You should feel safe when we're praying together. You should feel the importance of the relationships and being a part of it. And that's why we work so hard on not just what happens here, but what happens on online. Because we want people to be connected. Because God wants us to live together in relationship and in community. And he wants us together and he wants us to pray together. Paul's deepest desire was to see the church at Thessalonica. And I look forward to Sunday mornings because I get to see the church here in this region. And I get to be a part of it. It's all about relationships and then it's purpose. To complete what is lacking in your faith. We all are growing. And we don't stop growing. And so it's not like we achieve some moment of graduation where we say, okay, you've done everything you need to do. Don't worry about it now. We're all still growing. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still letting God work and shape and move me the way he wants to. You're doing that. And we do that better together again, one more time. We do it as, as in those difficult moments as scripture describes it, iron sharpening iron, those moments of friction and sparks that make us more mature. And we do it in those moments of comfort when we're just gaining strength from one another. It's, on, it's purpose. Being together has purpose. The church has purpose. Being a part of the church has purpose. And we've been doing this for 2,000 years despite multiple attempts throughout history from people to destroy the church. 
It hasn't happened and it's not ever going to happen because Jesus, Jesus is the head of this church. He is the strength of this church. And Jesus is almighty God and no dictator ever designed or created. No no group ever molded or shaped by culture and counterintuitive, unfaithful, ungodly ideas and concepts has ever defeated the church. And the church will not be defeated. There will come a day when Jesus comes back to this messed up world to gather up who? His church. And on that day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess one simple truth. We already know that Jesus is Lord. This church is a victory place. And it has a purpose to further God's kingdom and to bring his message of hope to the people we interact with. And we're going to do that until Jesus comes back. Because that's the only thing that will stop the church of Jesus Christ. God poured his strength, his foundation into his church. We, the people of the church at times, can be weak, but our God is not weak. We have a purpose, and we will live that purpose victoriously. Jesus said this, I want us to think about it. Our band's going to move into place and we're going to close out and and, uh, just acknowledge the work God's doing in our hearts. But this is what Jesus said about these moments. Truly I tell you, he's, he's telling his disciples in this moment, Listen, this is important. Truly, this is, this is, I want to be completely honest with you. I want you to notice this. Truly I tell you, Whatever you bind on earth, in other words, whatever you put together, whatever you work on, whatever you endeavor on earth will have been loosed, I mean, will have been bound in heaven because we're an eternal cause. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, two of you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Just two of us. Two of us have to agree on something. And Jesus said, my Father will do it. For where two or three gather together in my name, I am there among them. When two or three of you gather, I am there. And all the fears we currently have over nuclear conflicts, over economies broken and shattered, over families broken and shattered, over loss of life, over all the multitude of difficulties we face each and every day, the greatest force in the world is actually prayer. You want to change the world? then get together with two people and Jesus will join you and pray. And nothing, Scripture tells us, nothing can stand against it. Not a thing. Find somebody to pray with this week. Become a part of a Bible study. Come to the church with your prayers. And they'll be prayed for.